Pass, episode five. I'm Luke. And I'm Rose. And this episode, we are interviewing our good friend, Chris Sherry, who has been my friend for a while now. We started doing the same program when we first came to Spain, and we are now doing the Auxiliar program together. Chris also gave us the music that you heard at the beginning of the show, so thank you for the music, Chris. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to episode five. We are joined by our good friend, Chris. Hello. Hi, Chris. Chris has a second name, a surname as well, don't know. Do you? Yeah, and middle names. Christopher, Desmond, Francis, Sherry. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so welcome, Desmond. Um, thank you. I, for ages, thought your surname was Green, because I had you saved as Christopher <laughs> Green on my phone from Green Monkey last year. Which so is the academy that you both worked at. It is. Yeah. It's also uh, my favourite colour. <laughs> so, a very appropriate appropriate surname. Right, again, we're, all, we're really good at these segues, aren't we? I should probably stop highlighting the segues. But, uh, but Chris, when you were at Green Monkey, what was, your, what was your experience? Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, we're deep, diving in right at the deep end here. There's no messing around. Yeah, um... I mean, it was my first proper teaching job, so at the time I didn't have much to compare it with, but looking back on it, I mean, it was pretty pretty hard work, long hours, a lot of travelling, and yeah, I mean, it was it had its moments, but at the same time, I'm much more content with what I'm doing right now, um, which is working as an auxiliar. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think it was uh, an experience that I've, has definitely improved my teaching and um, you know, I'm glad that I had the experience. But um, as I say, ultimately, I'm much more content doing what I'm doing at the minute. What were you doing there, though? What was the aim of your teaching? <laughs> teaching English, I guess. <laughs> um, A noble goal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, teaching English to people, customers, essentially. Um, from the age of 16 to, you know, fully grown adults. Um, Didn't you have some some babies as well? Yeah, from the ages, did I not say six years old? Oh, I no, you 16. said 16. Yeah. Oh, 16, yeah. <laughs> I just choose to forget about Very those Very mature ones, toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so from about the age of six to, to fully grown adults. Um, so, yeah, there was a complete range of levels and ages and, I guess, learning outcomes or learning and goals um, for each of the students which is obviously completely different to what I'm doing at the minute but yeah I mean as I say it had its moments um, met some interesting people <coughs> oh yeah and it was great to work with a good mate Luke <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I mean I guess it was in the, the north of the city which is uh, a bit more affluent I guess you could say so people obviously have more disposable income to spend on English lessons but I mean, most of the time, they, they were pretty motivated and uh, you know, generally pretty good to teach. What was your favourite age group to work with? Probably adults, I think, because in that kind of, uh, that kind of classroom, which is really small, small and you know, there's, there's no real windows or anything like that, so um, adults were definitely easier to kind of fill the time because you could you know, take five minutes and just have a kind of conversation with them whereas with the kids you know they were usually pretty tired after a full day at school 
you know, they didn't necessarily want to be there. You know, it was their parents' idea. They weren't paying for it themselves. So, yeah, I would say that adults were definitely easier to work with and, you know, they were better at giving you feedback about what they wanted to learn, what they were enjoying, that kind of thing. All right, and what are you doing now? What's your... What, I know we've covered the basics of the OZDR programme here, but obviously you're working at a different school to the rest of us. So who are you working with? What are you doing? What are you teaching? I mean, you're teaching something that very few other OZDRs are teaching. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm doing the auxiliar program as some of your previous guests have been doing, and I work in a high school in Aluche, which is a barrio in the southwest of the city. So it's not too far from Casa de Campo, just south of that, and it's kind of the complete opposite. It's a much more working class neighbourhood. There's lots of like South American families, Eastern European families, and I teach. A variety of subjects actually. I teach this year. I'm teaching PE, music, history, geography. Um, That's so fun! I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've learned so much, um, especially in my history and geography classes. Like we've we've been doing ancient Rome and wow. ancient Egypt, that kind of thing. And the teacher sends me the documents that she wants to give the class for me to revise, so that the English is up to scratch. So I'm just like reading it and getting to know what the students are going to be learning. So yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, I can go from like a basketball lesson mm -hmm. to, you know, a debate about globalization wow. in the space of one morning. So it's, it's really, really good. I'm really enjoying it. What's your role in the classroom? Do you take on a lot of responsibility during the lessons? Do you lead the lessons by yourself? It varies from teacher to teacher. I mean, some teachers are definitely better at utilizing me than others you know, for good and bad. So, yeah, as I say, it just depends. So there's the history teacher I get on really well with, but there's also an English teacher that I don't really work so well with. And in the PE um, lessons, like I, I'm just there to kind of get involved and, you know, get chatting to the kids. So it really just depends. When you say you get on well with, don't get on well with, what do you mean by that? Like what, what in the classroom, how does that manif manifest itself? Some teachers just have a clear idea of, you know, my purpose and what I can bring to the, the classroom, what I can bring to a lesson. And other teachers, especially that one particular English teacher, um, just kind of sees it as an opportunity for him to put his feet up for an hour uh, and kind of hands it all over to me, which is, you know, not so good. Um, his instructions are pretty vague, so, you know, the onus is really on me to deliver the lesson. But, you know, other teachers, I work really well with them, they give me really clear instructions, you know, plenty of time in advance and that means I'm able to kind of prepare something that, you know, works well within the classroom, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Tell us about your music lessons, because you come from a musical background, so how's that going? Yeah, I studied music at university, so I was really, um, really happy to be doing music lessons with the music teacher and, yeah, it's interesting just to kind of compare the difference between music lessons that I had back in high school and over here. Um, I've heard a lot of recorder this year, <laughs> which is... <laughs> a beautiful <laughs> instrument. <laughs> not always, not always. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really good. I feel like that's one class that I always look forward to. Um, I always feel like I can contribute. And yeah, I've been able to kind of bring some of my own music in to uh, complement the, the lessons. So yeah, I really enjoyed the music lessons. What do you mean when you bring your music in? How does that work? Do they listen to your 
No, not anything that I've recorded. <laughs> Sit down and but... listen to my album I've just made. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there was a lesson where we were just kind of looking at the difference between certain time signatures. Um, so I prepared like four ver- four examples of each time signature. Um, and it was, I think the kids enjoyed kind of listening to like Jay-Z and Ed Sheeran <laughs> rather than just traditional um, classroom classical music, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. So one thing about the the whole auxiliar program, the bilingual program in Spain, is that a lot of the kids learn lessons, other subjects in English, yeah. and we haven't really talked about that yet on the no. podcast. So I teach I teach science in English as well as ordinary English lessons. Um, Chris, how do you think? Do you think that works? Do you think it's a good system? I think the in theory, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, the kids have got a really good level of English, a lot of them. So, you know, why not? If, if it, I guess it just comes back to the teacher again. I mean, some of the teachers' English isn't as good as it maybe should be if they're going to be teaching a subject in a second language. But, um, you know, the idea of it is great. And, you know, I really think it's something that should be encouraged, especially when I consider my own high school education and how... Um, little emphasis was given on languages you know I think it's a really good idea. Mm. Mm. So before coming to Madrid had you done any I know you said the job at the academy was your first like big teaching job so had you ever done any working with young people before? Yeah I've done quite a lot of different kind of uh, educational jobs Um, starting like when I was 15 16 and I was offering guitar lessons to um, kids in the, the neighbourhood. Um, that kind of led to me applying to work at a summer camp in America, which I did for a few years and absolutely loved it. Um, working with kids, again, about 6 to 16, teaching guitar and just kind of coordinating other activities and, um, you know, you do spend a lot of time with them. And then that was kind of it until after university. Um, I'd been playing in a like a function wedding band for a number of years and just doing odd jobs in between and decided that I wanted to, to do something else. I had no no real obligations or responsibilities holding me back in Scotland and I would have regretted not doing something like this. So I went back to Glasgow Uni, did my CELTA qualification and then did some voluntary teaching with a charity in Glasgow and then got the job at Green Monkey. Wow. And I think that's it. Good. Uh, Thanks for us. your CV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got the job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about your camp experiences, because I know you've told me a few a few stories, but what did you do? How long did you do it for? Was it the typical camp experience that we see on television and in films? Was it the parent trap? Was it the parent trap or American Pie band? band? <laughs> um, yeah, it pretty much was. It was like... <laughs> What do you call it? Wet, hot American summer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the camp was in Maine, in the northeast of America, which is beautiful. It's just wilderness, really. There's nothing else to do except outdoorsy stuff, so it's perfect for summer camps. And, yeah, it was amazing. I did it for five summers, which is, you know, I was really lucky to be able to do. And, yeah, going back every year, a lot of the kids go back and a lot of the staff go back, so you just become really good friends really quickly. Um, in terms of the organisation, I mean, it was kind of, kind of like school in that during the day there was different departments that the kids would go around and in the, in the evening there'd be different activities but um, I was in the performing arts department teaching guitar and then we would put on like a musical for each semester kind of thing or each term 
and there was like a lake for swimming and water sports and outdoor adventure stuff land sports that kind yeah. of thing so um yeah it was great i mean i was there long enough to watch some kids grow up and then you know they go on and work there and so in really good uh, really a lot of contact with a lot of people there so um yeah it was great really i think that's what kind of made me want to work with young people kind of long term because mm. i found it a lot more rewarding than a lot of other jobs i've done and is that something that you want to continue in the future? I think so. I think like the more that I kind of do this job, it makes me think that I'm actually, you know, pretty content doing it and, you know, not bad at it as well. Like I've done loads of different kind of jobs over the years and, you know, I'm not cut out for business. I've kind of come to terms with that kind of thing. I'm not good at selling stuff. I'm not good at selling myself either. So I hate all that kind of networking kind mm. of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I love working with people and something where I feel like I can make a difference, even if it's just like on a small scale, if I can do something productive and, um, be useful, then I would much rather do that than, you know, to try and sell stuff to people. Yeah. In <laughs> a cutthroat business world. Yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you in any kind of cutthroat. <laughs> cutthroat I'm capacity. from Glasgow. Oh. Oh, yeah, we didn't do the, the little introduction at the beginning. We completely skipped over. So, Chris, where are you from? Cut to the chase. Yeah. Um, well, I'm from Mottle Town outside Glasgow. Um, so, shout out to everyone listening in Kurluk. <laughs> yeah, I went to Glasgow University and then Glasgow School of Art. So, that's really my home city. Uh, right, so out here, mm-hmm. you have certain hobbies. <laughs> right, and uh, some of them are to do with Glasgow. So, let's... <laughs> Without giving everything away, tell us what do you do on Saturdays and Sundays. What's your passion? What's your passion? Well, one of my several passions <laughs> uh, would be going to watch Celtic in the Celtic Supporters Club here. Um, I had a season ticket for Celtic up until I left, and then as soon as I left, Celtic got amazing again. But uh, <laughs> but it's been really good to have um, a place where I can go and watch the matches, and it's just kind of like going home for a couple of hours, Aww. like stepping out of a Madrid street into this dingy bar with <laughs> lots of uh, Scottish and Irish voices so um, it's really fun and it's kind of been nice to introduce my friends to it as well and kind of share one of my hobbies and it also makes me kind of um, more connected to home because I can watch the matches and know that my dad and my sister and uncles and cousins are there and oh that's really beautiful Chris oh, I'm gonna cry something about football <laughs> so beautiful but I would like to know the demographic of the Celtic Supporters Club, are they all like expats? Do they all live here long term? Yeah, there's like a core of, I don't know, maybe like a dozen or maybe slightly more people who have been here for years and um, yeah, they're all kind of Scottish and Irish expats. Um, but you will also always get like lots of people just passing through on like city breaks. So yeah, it depends on the match, but at the the Rangers came a couple of weeks ago, there must have been 50, 60 odd people there, so wow. it was really good. And they have their own merchandise, so it's got to be, yeah. <laughs> be pretty big, hasn't it? Yeah, you can get a little scarf. Yeah, represent, <laughs> we'll put that in the photo. <laughs> we'll post a link to yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I've already indoctrinated Luke and bought him a scarf. I've got a scarf and it's fetching. Yeah. <laughs> you know the chants and things, don't you? Luke? I do know the chants. I've been learning. I've learned more, more <laughs> Celtic chants than I have Spanish. <laughs> They're catchy. <laughs> they are. They're fantastic. But yeah, I mean, there are quite a, quite a few people who go down regularly. Yeah, and no, it's, it's just like a little slice of home over here, which is really nice because 
um, yeah, it's just a kind of unique mm. facet of Madrid life that I really like. Yeah. They, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're aware, or if, if you know, but are there other supporters clubs for Premiership clubs, for example? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I, I know that the Tresco also kind of has a little Liverpool section, but... The Tresco is the Irish bar that you go yeah, to watch yeah, the yeah. matches in. That's where it is, just stuff. If anyone um, from it is listening, you can give us free pints next time. <laughs> you in. Yeah, just Tribunal. Um, <laughs> on Calle San Vicente. Yep. Yeah. See you all there next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, don't, I think it is just a kind of uniquely... Uh, Celtic thing because I've been to Celtic supporters clubs in Paris, New York, Chicago. They have them all over the world, so it's just one of the great things about about being a Celtic fan. <laughs> Is there anything else uh, from home, from Glasgow, that you miss? Um, I guess I should say my family. Um, but <laughs> everyone I guess... always says that really good yeah. to me. Like, uh, I don't, <laughs> want, I don't, I don't <laughs> really care. But... Um, fish and chips. Oh yeah. Um, but I guess the main thing would be playing music regularly because I played in a that wedding function band for probably about nine years before I moved here and we would play pretty much every weekend so it was a huge part of my life so to go from that to not having it um, has been you know a kind of void. Is there a music scene here in Madrid that yeah, you got involved yeah. in? I mean I've been to a few open mics um, but it's not quite the same as you know, performing with guys that you've known for years and um, feel really comfortable with sharing a stage. Um, so, I mean, that's the only thing that I kind of miss, but I mean, I was home last weekend for St. Patrick's Day and played a few gigs. So, I mean, I'm really fortunate in the sense that I can just jump home and jump on stage. You have performed at the Trisco and the Green Club, right? Green Club, is that what it's Green called? Green Club Cafe, I think it is, yeah. I'm uh, just continuing the green theme, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coincidentally. Um, yeah, the Trisco is a pretty good spot. It's got a really busy open mic night scene as well as the Celtic supporters, and I think they have other things as well. But yeah, it's good. The only thing is that you need to be there pretty early or else you're waiting for a long time and um, you have to kind of sit through some garbage sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the fun of open mics, so, isn't it? Yeah, there's a guy that comes and performs in drag quite a lot. Really? Amazing. Let's go. I mean, yeah, we, I think now that our schedules, I mean, last year it was difficult because we'd be working until 9.30. Yeah. And then it would be 10.30, 11-ish by the time we're back in the city. So um, now that we're all kind of finished at a reasonable hour. Yeah. <laughs> by a reasonable hour at 12.30 on Tuesday. Oh, speak for yourself. <laughs> so there's another discrepancy. We've, I think we've talked about yeah. this before, haven't we? So do you have nice half days then, Chris? Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are pretty long days and then I've got an after school class um, from 4 to 5 that I do Monday through Thursday. Um, Thursday's a bit of a lighter schedule, I usually have a bit of a, a gap in my schedule from half 12 until the after school starting at half 4. Um, but yeah, I mean a 4 day working week is absolutely brilliant, I think it's ruined me for normal jobs. Yeah, yeah we were saying this, uh, 40 hour working weeks, which is pretty standard in other jobs, it, ju- it just sounds so wrong. <laughs> like after 16 hours here and what is it 12 hours in in elsewhere in, in Spain elsewhere, yeah elsewhere. 12 mm. hours yeah yeah really lucky and yeah I think it's just a three day weekend is so nice to, to unwind you feel more prepared for the working week when it does come and yeah life is a much better pace life mm-hmm. is good life mm-hmm. is good do you find that with the the Spanish lifestyle as, in general as well 
Do you think it's a more laid back than than at home? Um, yeah, definitely in some respects. Um, for example, the escalators at Atocha that have been broken for about six, seven months now, and. <laughs> <laughs> repairing very very slowly they do, like they they will do repairs then they'll shut down the right hand one and it like the left hand one won't work anyway then they'll close the left hand one open the right hand one but that one won't be working <laughs> they'll just keep doing that and alternating <laughs> no idea what they're actually doing there yeah but i mean as far as um spanish spanish stereotypes have been lazy i certainly don't find that at all like yeah, I agree. I've never met a Spanish person that takes a siesta or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we're more likely That's to a, do that. a common misconception, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're all generally pretty hardworking. Yeah. Maybe just a slightly slower pace, but I mean, they certainly all work long hours and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I agree. All right, have you got any good stories from your time teaching in Spain? I know it's quite difficult to think of one <laughs> off the top of your head. Um, I mean, the one that immediately springs to mind is in my after-school class a few months ago, when one of the boys, um, he's eight years old, which is maybe a little bit old for this kind of thing to be happening, but he um, had an accident Uh in the class. Um, Like, (laughs) I don't know how vulgar you want me to go, but it was like a, (laughs) he number twoed in his trousers. (laughs) So that was a kind of uh, situation that I had to deal with. I mean, I felt really sorry for him more than anything because, I mean, if something like that happens, that can be, like, the kind of thing that is spoken about forever. Yeah, it scars you for (laughs) life. Yeah. um, But I think I managed to deal with it pretty well. And What did you do? How did you... Point and laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, first of all, point and laugh. I mean, he was in extreme denial about it, but, I mean, it was undeniable. (laughs) That smell in the classroom so um i mean i just contacted my supervisor um and kept the kids distracted like just kept asking them questions and kept them occupied while i waited for my supervisor to come because i mean that kind of thing is above my pay grade yeah um but yeah she came took him out, out the class and then 10 minutes later sent for his bag and coat and the kid was never seen again Seriously? No, he, oh. <laughs> he was back the next day. <laughs> the shame was too much. Yeah, yeah he went to school after that. <laughs> uh, but there's a, there's a new segment I want to try oh, out yeah. in our podcast, right. Chris. You uh, can be the guinea pig. Right. I haven't got a name for it at the moment, so maybe we can you can help us think of something later. But mm-hmm. could you, for the listeners at home, explain the third conditional? Um... Well, if I had to explain the third conditional, then I would need a bit more time. Wow. I wow. would have to prepare a bit more. Was that it? I, I feel I'm like using sure. the example is, is perfectly legitimate way of explaining it. Is that right, it. though? I don't think I know what the third conditional is. I, 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 I'm asking the questions. I'm not answering. <laughs> uh, it's not. If I had to do something, I would have had to something. The, the past. Because the, zero... First, second, third. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 you're right, I think. Just off the cuff, dishing out grammar. <laughs> this is, I, we wanted to start, try and get this, this going, just asking people really, really hard questions about English grammar. Yeah, I've learned more about grammar in the last 18 months than I've, I mean, I guess you do learn it kind of 
subconsciously just, yeah, the way your way. yeah you just know yeah. you know how to use it but you don't know what any of it's called or because we never get taught actual english grammar at school do we because some some languages they do like native speakers of french for example are taught french grammar yeah and the same in spain yeah so i the some of the students i had last year they brought in one of the, they had an exam and they they were doing uh, Eso or Batillerato, I can't remember which one, but they brought in a big, thick, chunky, hefty textbook about Spanish grammar. Yeah. And it was every single last detail about Spanish grammar. Yeah. And I find that interesting that they study that. And I wondered if it gave them, or it was easier for them to learn other languages if you're learning yeah. your own grammar. That maybe it's it's easily translatable to another language, mm. but mm. I don't yeah, know. probably. But you, Chris, I feel like you have an you have an advantage having done the CELTA because I haven't done any qualifications, as has come up on the podcast before, <laughs> and therefore when I'm in the class and the t- and I'm like leading the whole the whole lesson and I get to a section where I have to explain a grammar point, I just like <laughs> panic and I'm like oh my goodness, do I know what this is? And sometimes I don't, and luckily the other t- the teacher will step in because I don't know, I don't have the words to explain it. Nor would you, unless you've done, unless you've studied it. Yeah, there are some things that I do know from studying languages, from studying French and Spanish. There are some like basic grammar, English grammar rules that I do know just because of French and Spanish. Mm. But then there are other ones where I've like never even seen them before and I just have no idea where to begin. Yeah. It's great fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a learning curve. As your mum said in that last one, uh, she had no idea when she started and she learned over the period, of, like kind of on the job training where you yeah. get thrown into it and suddenly you're immersed in it and then you have to you pick it up. Don't yeah. You? yeah, the shelter was really good preparation in that sense because... I would be up all night preparing lessons, like a 40 minute lesson. I'd be awake for like just through the night getting ready for it because there was so much involved. I mean, you do obviously get better at it and, you know, now I can kind of knock together a lesson in, you know, a few minutes if I have to. But yeah, things like grammar and kind of anticipating problems that learners might have is mm. like a skill that takes a bit of time to, to get up to speed with. But I mean, Spanish learners, as has been mentioned on a previous episode, you know, they do generally tend to make similar mistakes. So you can kind of spot them coming yeah. sometimes. One I've noticed recently, a lot of my, I'm, I'm doing practice speaking exams with my sixth graders. And I've just started to notice that a very common mistake is to say, I like too much instead of I like, I like it very much. So they'll mm. say like, oh, I like, I like too much pizza. <laughs> and then I have to exactly, then I have to try to explain why you can't say that but I don't think I've done a very good job because they keep doing it I like I think one of the one of the most obvious ones for me is even I have friends who are, who speak English almost fluently and a lot of people still make the same mistake and it's I uh, using did and the past participle. <coughs> For example, I I did went. Ah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, I do. That... Yeah. Using the past, like twice. Did you did you went did you went yeah. to instead of did you go? I I, mm. I find that's a really mm. common one. I don't know why that's the case because in Spanish, 
Would you use? Well, they don't use. No they don't did. have yeah. a did, do they? Mm. Yeah, true. So yeah, right. you just conjugate the verb into the past. Yeah. Chris, did you speak any Spanish before you came? No, no, I did a bit of Duolingo, but it's all kind of been as I've uh, been here. How do you think you've improved since you since you arrived? And how have you improved? I think I've really started improving since I started going to lessons. <laughs> it's funny uh, that. <laughs> yeah, amazingly enough, I kind of thought I would just absorb it all. But um, no, I think like being in the classroom is definitely the best. I mean, there's no substitute for it really. Like just being able to to use it, you're less um, self-conscious, I guess, or at least I am in the, the classroom. I'm more confident about using my Spanish, whereas out in the street, I'm uh, much more shy about you know speaking Spanish to people. But um, I think I really have learned a lot, and you know it's been good for my confidence. And um, yeah, I think you know hope to continue. I've really noticed a difference in the last few months. I've got another question for you. Mm-hmm. What's your favourite day? I mean, we've asked a few people this. I don't know if you, you've heard. You're, not, you're actually our top a listener. A loyal listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big fan of the show. Top listener. <laughs> we invited you on. We're giving you a prize at the end. <laughs> uh, so, what's your favourite thing to do in Madrid? What would be your favourite day in Madrid? Yes. I mean, we've been on a lot of hikes that I really enjoy. I know that's technically not in Madrid, but um, we are fortunate in the sense that if you go like an hour in pretty much any direction you'll get to some really nice countryside and I've always really enjoyed those days like I don't know I like walking around just like kind of soaking up the, the vibe of the city I'm pretty close to Retiro so I like to go running through there or um, you know going to yoga and then going out for a cup of tea or something and I'm not a big wow so, you're so, so civilized, so cultured <laughs> uh, that's that seems to be a pretty common answer, isn't it? Like, just wandering around. I mean, you've said it as well. Katie said it. Yeah. Like, it's it's a great city it for is, just walking is. and yeah. exploring and just find... Because it's a nice size. Mm. Like, it's manageable. You can get from one side yeah. to the other in, in half an hour, 40 minutes. Let's talk more about the hikes a little bit. All right. So, yeah. how do you... How, well, I've been on a couple of them with you. But how do you go about going on a hike how do you plan it how do you get there how far away are the <laughs> places just ask Luke to start off <laughs> um, no there's uh, an app that we use Wikiloc Wikiloc it's got lots of trails on it um, and then it's just a case of trying to organise people going to get this bus at this time you know bring food bring appropriate clothing it's just like Which teaching it's like teaching isn't it <laughs> yeah. telling people you've just got to be firm with people <laughs> firm but kind. tell them where they need to be and when and what food, they'll be there what food to bring yeah and then expect yeah. to be disappointed when people don't <laughs> follow through on their word oops but. sorry chris <laughs> <laughs> no it's great i mean it's just it's nice to get out of the city because you tend to find or at least i do that um you know, most of the time you're taking the same metros to the same places, you see the same kind of scenes, so it's nice to get outside the city and get some fresh air and, um, you know, walk around for a bit. And yeah, do some exercise. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and the views. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the view, like the views, because obviously, well, nearby there are the mountains. The Sierra Nevada? Sierra Nevada? Guadarrama, no? Guadarrama, yeah, that one. <laughs> that one. Uh, and... The the views are spectacular. You can see Madrid when the pollution is is low le- yeah. levels. Well, I really enjoyed the the one we did recently in the snow. Mm. 
which was just fantastic in uh, Navasarada, where there's a ski station, which people are probably going to be surprised about if you don't know if you don't know that already. It's not really what you think of when you think of Madrid and you think of visiting Spain. You don't immediately think of skiing. So we went there and we hiked through the snow and it was really beautiful. Hiked over a ski slope. Yeah. A ski beast. Nearly we, got hit by some skiers. Yeah, like hands yeah. and knees trying not to slide <laughs> down the cliff. Um, it's a really good bonding activity as well. Like when you spend that amount of time with people with very little distractions, you just tend to get to know people a lot better and that's like one of the things that I enjoy about it as well as all the exercise and views and all that that's lovely right have you got any any other questions nope but is there anything else that you would like to any shout outs that you want to do um no I mean I give my shout out to well all my friends and family everyone who's believed in me since (laughs) (laughs) um no mama yeah my first ever time on a podcast so hopefully it's um yeah, springboard to bigger things. <laughs> um, Watch this space. Yeah, Chris and, Sherry. Yeah, Chris has brought his guitar and he's going to play us. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, it's lovely speaking to you, as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me on. Big yeah. fan of the show, like I say. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's good Thanks. to have a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll spread the word. I'll tell my mum. She'll definitely listen. Oh, good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice having listenings for, listen, listeners in other countries, isn't it? Yeah. We had uh, when Diego was on, we had some Peruvian listeners. Top listeners were in Peru. Cool. That was that was pretty amazing. So now yeah, we've got an international podcast. Yeah, how do we do this? Do we shake hands? Unless <laughs> can't see it, we're shaking hands. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Chris. <laughs> no problem, I guess. We hope you enjoyed episode five of Pain in the Class with Christopher Sherry, Mister Christopher Sherry, <laughs> Senor Sherry, as the kids call him. Uh, yeah, we enjoy talking to him a lot. He's a, a great guy. <laughs> so we are going to take a break for the Easter holidays and we will return in two weeks time with the next instalment of Pain in the Class meanwhile you can re-listen to our old episodes we are going to change platforms to Anchor but you can find it when we post this link on Instagram on Twitter, Twitter at Pain in the Class and on Facebook just search for Pain in the Class All right, thank you very much. Yeah, please get in touch and we'll see you soon. Happy Easter!